When you've got a team in flow, everyone is moving together, working together, respecting each other, knocking people down, not joking about people, not criticizing people's ideas. That's harmony. And with that also is the understanding that people are human beings. They're not assets. They're not resources. They're not headcounts. They are human beings. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Welcome to this week's episode. Dive into the future of leadership with our guest and acclaimed author and global leadership voice, Steve Howard. Steve shares wisdom on moving beyond micromanagement, understanding the paramount importance of adaptability, and mastering the art of giving truly impactful feedback. Gear up for this transformative conversation that's set to reshape the way you think about leadership. Hey, Stephen, thanks so much for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How's it going? Oh, well, Tyler, thanks for having me on. I look forward to a robust conversation. Yeah, I appreciate it. So, hey, I always love to start out with uh, if you could share a little bit about what you do professionally and then a little bit about yourself, maybe personally. Okay, thanks. So, well, professionally, I do a lot of leadership mentoring and coaching. I do keynote speeches on leadership, particularly around a new concept of leadership, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, personally, uh, I have lived outside the United States uh, most of my adult life. I lived and worked in Singapore for 21 years, traveled all over Southeast Asia, the Middle East. Then I lived outside Melbourne, Australia for 12 years, still ran my Asian business from Australia, but also covered you know things like New Zealand and Fiji. And um, now I'm based in Southern California, but I also am setting up an operation in Mexico City. So I kind of bounce back and forth between the California desert and the, the uh, what are we at, uh, 21, 21,000 feet or whatever it is of Mexico City. <laughs> well, what caused you to like go in these different countries? And I mean, did something pull you in that direction? Is that something you aspired to do? How did, how did that work out? No, it actually just fell in my lap. It was an opportunity. Texas Instruments recruited me out of college. I grew up, I grew up in Las Vegas, another desert climate. I went to University of Nevada, Las Vegas. I got recruited by TI. They moved me to Dallas. And after three years uh, in the Dallas area, there was an opportunity to set up a marketing communications operation for Asia. And being the young single kid on the block, I guess they saw I was the cheapest. You didn't have to move a whole family to Singapore. And uh, so I got the job. And then after three years there, they wanted to move me to Lubbock, Texas. And I said, oh, come on, guys, I learned to scuba dive in Asia. There's no diving in Lubbock. So I changed companies. I joined Time Magazine, did sales, ran Time Magazine's uh, sales and operations uh, for South Asia, basically from Brunei to Pakistan. And then time wanted to move me and they wanted to move me to Michigan, which I guess would have been a great career move to be both on the international side, and domestic side. But I said, no, I kind of like living internationally. So I had two other jobs and I went off and started my own company because everyone kept wanting to move me back to the United States. Wow. So you you kind of covered a wide range of area, I guess is what I'll say. How, as we get into this leadership discussion, when we when I think of multi-cultures, I, you know, 
in the States, we've dealt with many years, multicultural, different personalities, different beliefs. How has your experience in going to all these different countries, how has that helped in your own leadership development? And maybe you could even give us some wisdom in, in how we can be better leaders domestically in multicultural environments. Uh, excellent, Tyler. Uh, you know, one of my last bosses I had at Citibank, uh, it was also an American, after a staff meeting, we were all, we were like 11 vice presidents reporting to him. He pulled me aside and said, hey, Stephen, I'd been on the job maybe six or eight weeks. And this was Citibank, I mean, American company, right? But everyone else except he and I were Singaporeans. And he pulled me aside and said, you know, Stephen, your sense of humor, it just doesn't travel too well sometimes. <laughs> and I said, uh, okay, what do you mean? He said, well, like that comment you made earlier. I said, uh, okay. So I became very sensitive to realizing that, you know, we're all people, but we have different backgrounds, different cultures, different beliefs, and we have to be careful how we express those beliefs. And more important, I learned to listen to people and their cultures and understand what they were talking about, where they came from. So it's actually helped me here back in the United States because often I get brought in by, you know, medium size on up to Fortune 500 companies to help them, particularly their first line leaders, understand how to manage people, lead people who are globally. I mean, I do a lot of work uh, with people in the oil and gas industry, and they've got back in production in India. They've got people in Poland and Bulgaria and Argentina and Brazil, and they've never, some of them never left Texas, or particularly, you know, they've never been you know, one side of the Mississippi, and they have no idea how to communicate with people globally. So that that's been the big impact. I love how he delivered the message to you. I mean, that was kind of leadership too, and that he, it sounds like he took you privately and then he delivered it in a nice way and you were receptive to it. So, I mean, talk about it, a nice experience to for you to grow. Yeah, he was one of the best leaders I had and one of the best people leaders I had. That's so cool. So you've created this uh, human leadership concept. Am I pronouncing that right? I'm probably going to botch yeah. it. Yeah, so I apologize if I do. Don't be bashful about correcting me. Could you talk about the core principles of, of this leadership concept and how does it differ from a typical like leadership uh, process? Well, the core principle, first of all, the word humany, H-U-M-O-N-Y, I created the word, it's not in the dictionary, and I did it by combining human, humanity, and harmony. And people laugh at me when I was, as I was researching for the book I wrote, you know, when I asked people, what's harmony like in your workplace? And they all laugh, what do you mean by harmony? There's no harmony in our workplace. But this was at the tail end of the pandemic, and I realized that coming out of the pandemic, Leadership mindsets had a change. So the first core principle of humanity is it is a mindset and your mindset has to change. And probably the best example of that mindset is um, managing people is a 1980s concept that's not relevant today, it's not applicable today. People don't want to be managed. Uh, they want to be led. They want to be empowered. They want to be unshackled from directives and told how to do their job. Just tell me what the outcome is, where we're going to get to, what what you know success looks like, and then let me go do it. Uh, don't micromanage me. I mean, people, no one wakes up in the morning and says, I can't wait to be managed by my boss. And certainly no one ever says, I can't wait to be micromanaged today. So that those are, that's kind of the foundation of the human mindset. So when we say this empowerment and, and all these attributes that people want to be treated nowadays, do these, in your opinion, do these apply across the board? Are they all positions? Like, you know, when I think of sales, for example, I think, you know, you kind of got to be driven by metrics oftentimes in sales. And so it gets really hard. People might view that as micromanagement. Is there 
is it really across all the the facets of of positions or do you think different positions get treated a little bit differently? It's across all facets, Tyler. And additionally, it's at all levels of the organization. Then Mm. I really, when I wrote the book, it's called Human Leadership. When I wrote it, it's aimed at everyone from a first-time supervisor, a first-line leader, on up to you know small business owners, entrepreneurs. It's the C-suite of larger organizations because the definition of a leader is that you lead people. And so, you know, one of the things I emphasize to people: look, you manage things, you manage processes, policies, procedures, but you lead people. And it to take that mindset change from, you know, my role is to manage people is for no, it's really to lead people and develop people. And it doesn't matter what part of the organization or what level, what size team you have, that's your key responsibility. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when you brought up the word harmony and you said, well, what's your, is your workplace? Is there harmony? And I kind of chuckled because oftentimes, you know, when we think of workplaces, harmony is not the one of the words that we think of. So what would a work environment look like if it had that harmony? What are some signs that we would look for and go, wow, this has got those signs? I'm sure you and all your listeners have been in what we might call flow. You know, when you lose track of time, you're you're so involved in something. Usually it's cognitive, but it could be a hobby. I mean, you could be restoring an automobile or you could be painting if you're an artist or writing sheet music if you're a musician. You lose track of time. Well, harmony is like that. When you've got a team in flow, everyone is moving together, working together, uh, respecting each other, not knocking people down, not joking about people, not criticizing people's ideas. That's harmony. And with that also is the understanding that people are human beings. They're not assets. They're not resources. They're not headcounts. They are human beings. And when we treat them like such, and as leaders, if we understand that, and we learned this hopefully from the pandemic, people have responsibilities outside work. You know, before the pandemic, we all give lip service to, yeah, people have lives outside work. And it's all like, get the work done first. You can't go have your life, you know, in the limited time you have available. But no, people have responsibility. It could be caring for their only parents. It could be coaching a sports team. It could be volunteering in the local community. It could be, you know, children's pickup after school. These are not hobbies. These are responsibilities. So if we allow people to fulfill those responsibilities outside work, then they're going to come into work with a better mindset, less stress, less anxiety, and then there'll be more harmony in the workplace. The more we can leave our personal stresses and and uh, uh, anxieties at the door, the more harmonized our workplaces will be. How does leadership deal with? What's your opinion on this? So, you know, we've all been able to work from home, many people, and now you're seeing a lot of organizations say, hey, I need you back in the office three days a week, five days a week. And it started out the tone really nice. And now you're hearing a lot of firms saying, hey, you got 90 days or else you don't have a job type of thing. What's your opinion on that? Because employees, some of them view it as, you know, a form of micromanagement. Leadership views it as, hey, there's collaboration here. We're, We're losing out on that. And you just collaborate collaborate better in person. Love to know first, one, your personal thoughts on this whole issue. And then maybe how does leadership deal with that effectively? Well, my personal thoughts is it's like, think of your employees as customers. You make things as flexible, adaptable for your customers as possible. So they'll buy from you. Well, I would suggest you make things as flexible and adaptable for your employees so they'll continue working with you. I think that the comment you made there, paraphrasing someone, you know, you're not here in 90 days, you won't have a job. I would say, you know, leaders, in maybe 90 days, you're not going to have as many people 
And let me tell you something, Tyler. It is very hard. I mean, I've been a small business person for 30 years. It's very hard to grow your business when one of your key priorities is replacing, recruiting, replacing, onboarding, and training staff to replace people who have quit. <laughs> so, 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 you know, my attitude on this is that is to make it as flexible. I don't think it should be a policy. Let's put it this way. I think it should be, this is where we want it. This is what we'd like, but everyone's going to be different. And I don't think we need to treat everyone the same way. Some people may come in three days a week and they, and some people will want to. Others may only want to come in one or two days a week. And if it's not impacting their performance, it's not impacting their results, then why do it? I mean, you know, it's the mentality. This is the mindset change. The mentality, you know, I started work in the 1980s. You know, the mentality was I sold my time to my employer uh, 40 hours a week. My employer would tell me where I would spend those 40 hours a week and what I'm doing. And I remember my first job in Dallas uh, when I went to my boss and said on Tuesday, I said, hey, I, I'm going to have a dentist appointment on Thursday. I need to be, I'm going to be gone from 10 to 12. Is that okay with you? And he, he looked at me and said, your dentist doesn't work on Saturday. I mean, taking time off for your teeth. And I, I had a toothache. It hurt. <laughs> so I'm supposed to wait two more days because I sold my time to you. You know, today it's, it's like, we got to be more flexible. And even if people, if you do want people to come in three days a week, then that doesn't mean they need to be there the entire eight hours. You know, maybe they come in for four hours some days and then leave for four hours because again, they have those responsibilities. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, right now, a friend of mine wrote a book, uh, Steve Cadigan wrote a book called Workquake. And he was LinkedIn's first chief human resource officer. So great book. I highly recommend it. And in his book, he says, he says, the war for talent is over and talent has won. Well, leaders, you better understand that you are not in control anymore. Control went out the window in March 2020, I guess, when we had the work from home mandates by the government. So you better be flexible or you're going to lose people. Yeah. I love how you, uh, you use the example of, you know, companies are flexible for their customers. I mean, your employees are just as important. Why not have that same psychology and that same application to your employees? I think that's a great example of uh, for companies to think of that way in leadership. Yeah, and I know for small businesses, I mean, if you got less than 50 people or less than 100 people on your payroll, you may want more people in. I realize that, you know, there's probably... They're used to more communications. You may not have all the infrastructure of communications that a Fortune 500 company might have. But at the same time, just be flexible with it. Don't, you know, what was it? Amazon, I believe it was, uh, basically said that the bonuses will be based on people's attendance in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Really? That's what you're... It's like the other concept was during the pandemic when people said, well, uh, for Silicon Valley people, well, if you're going to work from Palm Springs, uh, the cost of living is cheaper, so we're going to reduce your salary. Wait a second, are you paying me based on where I live, or are you paying me on the value that I produce for your organization? Right. <laughs> if you're a business owner feeling stuck in your business, overwhelmed, responsible for everything that happens, and working long hours, Tyler helps his clients develop processes, hire high-performing team members, and better understand their financial metrics and numbers to allow for a more predictable, less hands-on business. To schedule a free, no-pressure consultation, head to thinktyler.com and click the meeting button. Tyler would love to see if he can help you work on your business, not in your business. Schedule a consultation today at thinktyler.com. Think life, think success, think business.
Uh, the cost of living is cheaper, so we're going to reduce your salary. Wait a second, are you paying me based on where I live, or are you paying me on the value that I produce for your organization? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I agree with you. You are hearing some very interesting things among larger companies in terms of, I guess I'll call them punitive, uh, punitive things that might happen, whether it be termination or loss of bonus. I do get the collaboration part, though. I will say that. Like, I, I think... There's something to be said for being in person, but I do agree people can work effectively without being in the office. So you got to, you know, it's interesting to see the different tactics on a large business scale, because I think that's what people start to follow uh, smaller businesses. They start to see bigger business doing it and they, hey, well, that means that's what we got to do. No, even small businesses. I do coaching. I coach like seven people in one legal services company in Southern California. And they're doing the same thing. They're mandating back to work. I'll tell you where else I wanted to go. Just this whole adapting to change. So, you know, the pandemic brought all kinds of unforeseen things. Can you talk about in terms of leadership and, and mindset? Like, how do we deal as things are, you know, let's say there's another pandemic. How do leaders get prepared for adapting to change and keeping you know, keeping their team feeling like they're part of something and, and dealing with that change without kind of losing control? I think adaptability is the key word there. And, you know, one of the things I just wrote an article recently that said we need to think about how we measure leaders. I mean, leaders are measured on results and executing a plan. Well, I would suggest to you now that leaders should be measured and they need to do, they need to have not only just plan A and plan B, but they should have plan B1 and 2 and, and maybe C1 and 2 and, and D1 and 2 or whatever. You know, Dwight Eisenhower once said that um, something along the lines that Plans are useless, but planning is everything. And that's what you need to do. I think people should be planning. I mean, look at the airline industry. Look how screwed up they are in that they didn't plan for the end of the pandemic or the almost end of the pandemic, didn't think that people would travel in such bulk, particularly with holidays. They didn't realize that you know, all of us cooped up for 10, 12, 14 months who didn't get to see friends or family want to go on airplanes at, at holiday time. And yet they didn't bring staff in. They didn't replace the staff. They let go. And all those, you know, thousands of flights a, del- a day delayed simply because of insufficient staffing. Well, that's poor leadership in a nutshell. So I think planning is the key thing here for adaptability. It's not, you know, again, going before the pandemic, we would say if you're an agile organization, it means you could quickly put together a SWAT team to go fix a problem. Oh, we got this huge issue, customer issue, product didn't work, or IT systems are down. Let's put a big team together. We'll work 72 hours around the clock. We'll fix it. That's not being agile anymore. Agile is anticipating what might happen and what probably could happen and being prepared for that. The airline industry should have realized that it was likely, even probable, that people want to travel in such bulk, uh, particularly at the holiday time. So digging a little bit deeper, balancing like this human connection with business goals, how do we do that in small businesses? Like, so obviously we have business goals, things we want to do, but we also have that human connection, the humany we've got to inject into our leadership. How do you balance it? Because I, I think sometimes goals, sometimes we get so driven by goals, we lose the focus of of that personal touch and that connection and harmony and stuff. And that's it. Take your eye off the goal as your primary focus and focus on your people. For look, if you focus on your people. You focus on developing your people. You focus on coaching, mentoring your people. You focus on creating a good work environment where they can thrive. You're going to get the results. 
But if you only focus on the, this is what's burning people out is this constant focus on the result. And then you achieve the second quarter results. And then guess what happens? You get 30 seconds to breathe. And now let's look at the third quarter results. And we got to, we got to do better. We got to push, push, push. And this is people are saying, you know what? Work life harmony means I don't need to put up with this. And the bosses who only focus on results, look, they're still going to get short term results, but they're going to burn people out. And long-term, like I said, how do you grow your business? How do you grow your small business? So, I mean, if you lose your HR director, if you lose your HR administrator in a small business, you have to replace them. Not only is the cost of replacing them, but everything that doesn't happen while they're being replaced. Same thing if you lose a junior salesperson, or you lose a, um, you know, the, the, the second in command in the IT department. Uh, or the third in command, or you know, your help desk. What if you lose four people out of 12 on a help desk? Well, every other metric you have is going to go down the drain, including your profitability, because the cost of replacing people is so much more expensive than keeping people. One of the words you use is develop your team. What are some things, leadership, and particularly if you can, towards small business, you know, typical one to $20 million a year annual revenue. What are some things that we can do to develop uh, leaders within our organization, develop the owners themselves? What are some things that stand out to do that? One thing, and I talked about this last week uh, in Mexico City to a Latin America small business company, actually based in Florida, but they cover Latin America. Create a culture of appreciation. You know that people don't get praised very often in the workplace. They don't get, they, no one shows their appreciation. And I, I, as I went to the presentation on this the other day, one of the senior ladies went, oh my God. And she turned to the lady next to her and said, when was the last time I gave you motivational feedback, uh, reinforcing feedback or what most people would call positive feedback? And the lady looked there and said, eight months ago, maybe. <laughs> it's just, and so, and I don't mean by saying good job, Tyler. Good job. I mean saying to you, Tyler, you did a great job on today's presentation. I like the way you were prepared. And I thought the way you handled questions from the audience not only built credibility in you and your knowledge, but also the credibility of the content that you're presenting. Good job, Tyler. Now, that took me, what, 40 seconds? And the key thing about feedback, and this is what most people don't understand about feedback, is not just saying something about it. It's explaining the impact. When I said you did it, I thought you were well-prepared. And when you, you answered the questions well, but the impact was it built credibility in you and it built credibility in the content. And when you give feedback to people, particularly what I call reinforcing feedback, and I'll explain why in a moment if you want, you want people, you want to build not just their competency and their capability, you want to build their confidence. And so by telling you that, now you're going to feel more confident, I would hope, the next time you make a presentation, you won't be so nervous about the questions that might come up from the audience. Right, right. I do want to talk about that reinforced feedback, but one question I have, let's say, you know, you like three things about my presentation, but you had one thing that, you know, you'd like to give me some constructive feedback. How do you handle that? Do you do that in that same conversation or do we talk about that later? It's best to talk about it later. Research does show that what you just described is the old sandwich approach or the bookend approach doesn't work. Because as soon as I say to you, Tyler, you did a great presentation, but <laughs> you're, waiting for the, you're waiting for the hammer to fall. So here's how I would handle that very quickly. Is that, Let's say you're, it's a standard type presentation. You're doing it again in three weeks. I'd come up, you'd knock on your door. Hey, Tyler, how's it going? You're working on your presentation. Yeah, uh, anything, any questions? Hey, Tyler, you know, I've been thinking about that presentation you did the other day, which was really good. 
But I did notice on three slides, you had a lot of text. And here's what I noticed. When those slides are up, the audience was reading your slides and no longer listening to you. Did you notice the same thing? Doesn't matter if you say yes or no. Okay. And then, so what would you think, Tyler? How could you do that differently? You ask for the employees input. What could you do differently? And you might say, I could put pictures, I could summarize, or I could split them in half, whatever it is. And then I would say, hey, good. Why don't you do that? Because it's your idea. You're going to be bought into it. So you do that. And let's both monitor it in next week's presentation and see if the audience is paying more attention to you than to reading the slides. And if you couldn't come up with the answer, then I might come up with something. You know, I might have my own idea, but I would always give you the chance first to come with a creative solution. And as long as it's workable, I mean, this is day-to-day stuff. I mean, I'm not going to set you up for failure if you're presenting to the senior vice president in the organization or the owner of the organization. No, I'll, I'll work with you closer on that. But this is an ongoing presentation because feedback should be an ongoing process, as is development. Right. You would talk, you used a term, it was reinforced. Reinforcement feedback. Yeah, reinforcement feedback. Can you talk about that a little bit? Like just, uh, I'm going, I know I'm going back a step. No, that's great. I now define feedback and I coach leaders and the ones I coach about, you have, there's two types of feedback. There is reinforcement or fortifying feedback, which reinforces what someone's doing well so they can repeat it or replicate it. And then there's what I call enhancement feedback, where you want to take somebody's what they're currently doing and you want to enhance their skills, or as I said earlier, enhance their competency, their capability, or their confidence. And the reason for that is no one wakes up in the morning and wants to give negative feedback. I, you know, I don't wake up, I can't wait to give someone some negative feedback. And as a result, because we call it negative feedback, we procrastinate. We kind of hope the problem solves itself. Uh, we're afraid of how the person's going to react to negative feedback, how they're going to push back. And we don't we worry about that. We have to understand that what is the purpose of feedback? It is to help somebody improve their behavior, their performance, their results, their skill set. Well, if we can go into it with that mindset, that I'm going to have this conversation with you, Tyler, to help you improve, that's the purpose of this conversation, I'm going to be less hesitant to go into it. But if I call it negative feedback, it's like, you know, be, oh, you know I got this email to answer, right? You know, so, oh, it's a phone call today. I don't, want, I don't want to spend my day giving people negative feedback, so I, I procrastinate. And therefore, my people don't improve. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's good stuff. Hey, I always like to end the show with uh, with this question. I'd like to find out if you have a business or a life tip, something you've learned along the way that you could share with us and maybe we could apply to either our personal or business life. Well, thank you, Tyler. And that's a great ending question for anybody. And you used the right word for me is learning. And so my message to everybody is never stop learning because life never stops teaching. So um, you have to have as a leader a, a continuous growth mindset. You want to continuously be, you know, listening to podcasts like yours, hopefully reading books like mine, uh, reading articles, but be continuously learning because as we've seen, the world changes rapidly. And, you know, three years ago, no one knew how to manage and lead a remote workforce. And now that's become a core leadership skill. So never stop learning because life never stops teaching. And I love that you bring that up. Your book, you have 22 books. Is that still an accurate number? That's still accurate. I'm, wow. 
been working on the 23rd one, but uh, it's, I'm sure it's, it's established in your DNA now. After writing 22 books, it's just probably part of your process. So, humanyleadership.com, H U M O N Y leadership.com. The book is Human Leadership Mindsets, Skills, and Behaviors for Being a Successful People Centric Leader. That's your latest book. You actually, I was looking through your books. You have actually several really interesting ones that are related to just learning and development as a professional. So, good stuff. I just can't thank you enough for having you on the show. I'll put these uh, website. I have a couple other ones in the show notes. If people wanted to reach out to you anywhere else, is there anywhere else they should go? LinkedIn is probably, if you were on LinkedIn, it's Stephen Howard's at Greater Los Angeles area. Um, but through Humany or, you know, just Stephen at humanyleadership.com is a good email address. I I will reply within 48 hours. I do travel frequently and, and sometimes I'll lock myself away for a day to write, but I will get back within 48 hours, I promise. Maybe not 24, but 48. Is it okay if I put the email address in the show notes too? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, awesome. Well, Stephen, thank you so much. You you dropped a lot of wisdom bombs on us, so we appreciate it. And hopefully I can talk to you when book number 23 comes out. Well, my pleasure. And thank you. I appreciate you having me, Tyler. Take care. All the best. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric Cast Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric acid. Electric acid.